Welcome back to my podcast. What you're about to listen to is a conversation I had with Mei Ying, who is a final year economics and management student at King's College London. She's also an amazing lifestyle YouTuber. In this episode, we start off with a few chill icebreakers on university advice, her favorite food, and whether she can speak Mandarin. And then we move on to how she strategically used social media at 13 and later transitioned to YouTube to build her brand further. She also provides some really good advice on how to make money working with brands as well. All right, let's get started. Okay, so I'm going to start off with a few questions that I got from Instagram. And the first one is from ani underscore 14 who asked, uni advice you wished you knew? Smiley face. I feel like um, as an incoming uni student, you're given so much advice. So I probably was told this at one point, but I didn't really listen to many people. But um, I think... The thing that brought me most joy and I think something in my sister, basically in her last or second to last year, she joined Ice Skating Society. Before then, she pretty much hated her entire uni experience. It was actually ice skating that made uni fun for her, not the law part. Um, and for me, it's not that I don't enjoy my business, but having something on the side of uni is what makes uni fun. I couldn't <laughs> just get through uni. I know this year is really hard for first year students because you know, lockdown, so no societies and stuff is going on. But the thing that made me feel most mentally stable and also brought me potentially the most joy is doing choir. So in first first year, I joined in the second term and it was like the best decision ever. That's where I made loads of friends who are completely different to the people that are on a business course. They're a lot more, you know, creative, outgoing, um, musical. And so I would say... Do something completely different to your course and do something that you enjoy. Um, don't be scared that you just have to focus on your academics. First year also doesn't count for many courses. It did for me, but only 10%. I still worked really hard, but I think it was, I actually probably couldn't have worked as hard as I did if I didn't have the relief, like the singing, because it's, yeah, it's a form of relief for me. And you, what and about you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think in many ways, it's um, whatever you go into university wanting to study or what you want to get out of it, uh, you have to spend the time exploring, just like you said. And mm. I think a lot of us, before we go in, um, we already have all these things that we worked on when we were younger and things that we care about. And I think university is a great place to explore those things, to explore the strengths that we actually have within and to try it out on people. Because... Uh, when you're a little older uh, as an adult, you start learning that um, you don't have the same pressures as you did as a kid with trying to fit in. Because I think in university, there's a lot more freedom to do whatever you want. And you stop having this uh, thing that I got to do this and I got to do that. So really just look into your strengths and figure out how you can bring value to other people. And that is such a nice like way to validate yourself because... There's so many ways to validate yourself in university and there are very toxic ways that I think all of us must avoid. Um, mm -hmm. We won't, even I didn't, but over time you will learn to avoid the toxic validation that university comes with. But uh, I think mm. my general advice is to understand your strengths and just like you, try other things on the side to see um, if it's something that you like or something that you can value others. And um, yeah. 
that's a really nice answer. <laughs> yeah, give value to others. That's basically what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. Help other people. Yeah, mm-hmm. help other people. <laughs> but at the same time, when you help other people, uh, you yeah. will feel this greatness within. And, and that's why it's like a sustainable loop. It's not just about helping others. You help others, mm-hmm. but it's okay to be selfish about it because it's fine. It's like you help others, help yourself. Help others, help yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Next question. Do you speak Mandarin? <laughs> uh, I, now this is a funny question um, so my dad both of his parents are from Hong Kong so they speak Cantonese actually and I think it's Hakka, Hakka that they speak that's from where they are um, and when I was younger I used to go to Mandarin school but then it got shut down because no one in Brighton was Chinese um, so I only know rude words and I know numbers and I know a little bit of Cantonese, um, but like the same. Again, sick fan, eat rice, thank you, doje, um, mgoi. Like polite things, but I can't speak. I wish I could, because oh my God, every single job interview I've had, they're like, can you speak, you know, Chinese? And I'm like, bit racist, but also no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I wish I could, but yeah, no, do you speak? Because you're from Singapore, aren't you? Well, you were yeah. raised in Singapore. Yeah, so I mean, we, we technically, we all learn our like cultural language. So you can learn Mandarin, but obviously mm-hmm. the people who are Chinese would learn Mandarin or Cantonese, uh, most likely yeah. Mandarin. And I'm South Indian, so I speak Tamil. Um, so Ooh. my grandfather or grandparents, I guess, are from, at some point, grandparents, great grandparents came from South India. And so technically I should be able to speak Tamil, but if I were <laughs> asked in an interview, can you speak Tamil? I'm going to say no, because yeah. it's not Just in case. at no professional <laughs> level. Am I going to contribute to a company with my level of understanding? But I am so proud of it. It's just that unfortunately, yeah. when you, like, I, I don't know the way you were saying it. I think it, it is nice if you could have said yes. But people always need to understand that it's not, it's, 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 it is what it is. Like I know it, I don't know it, but you can still be proud of the culture without knowing it. No, 100%. I definitely am. But I think it's quite ironic that, um, I know more French and Spanish and Italian than I do Cantonese. (laughs) And I, I feel so bad because you know, when you're at family gatherings and you hear your grandma go, like she's speaking in Cantonese and suddenly she says Mei Ying and I'm like brilliant she's speaking about me but i have no clue what she's saying and then they all look at you and like aunties uncles yep that's me i don't know what she said (laughs) and we always just like what did she say what did she say and they were like you have to learn chinese if you want to find out yeah but are they so your dad's side are they back did they move here or was it just your dad that yeah no they all moved here so my dad was born in london all of his brothers oh okay okay born in london so I think, yeah, I'm a second generation or removed, which that's why it's kind of a shame. And my mum speaks English. She did try. It was really cute. She did try to learn Mandarin at some point. But um, yeah, no, she's she's worse. She's Her and my dad are really bad at languages. We went to Portugal. We used to go to Portugal every year for eight years. Barely, They could barely say thank you. It would be like, obrigada, you know? Eight years, eight years, come on. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, but no, languages are really cool and I wish I did. You're right. And I, that's the thing. I think a lot of us feel like we want, it, we want to be more multilingual, but mm-hmm. I think you have to have a very good reason to want to keep up that language because yeah. even if you wanted to learn Mandarin or well, Cantonese 
and I wanted to learn Tamil, we would have to have like the, the motivation to keep it up. Like we would have to continuously talk to people. And being in the UK, I don't see how you would continuously, even if you were just going to talk to your dad, like that might not yeah. be enough uh, no. because you've been speaking to him English, I guess, this whole time. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no. Although I did see, I think, what's that app? Clubhouse or something or Playhouse, Clubhouse. Yeah. Clubhouse, and I saw yeah. a couple of people saying, oh, yeah, we're doing um, an event in Hakka. And I was like, oh, my grandma could go. And she could understand what they're saying. And I thought that was really cool. But, yeah, no, you're right. For the first 21 years of my life, I've not really had anyone. No one at my school spoke it. It wasn't taught at my school. Um, my dad, he, he's, he's good at it. But sometimes, even when this year it was Chinese New Year and I got um, my grandma a Chinese New Year card, he couldn't properly read the Chinese because it's been so long. So yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, Duolingo is good in that it makes you do the daily tasks and the fire stuff. But yeah, at some point you just get a bit busy, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they can do all the gamifying they want. I mean, it's fun at the mm -hmm. beginning. But then after a while, when the when the, the bird is trying to convince you to get back onto the app, you're just like, no, please just leave me alone <laughs> leave me, for a bit. Leave me, <laughs> leave me alone. I, I, I can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, okay, okay, fine. Then one more question. Um, mm -hmm. If you had two cuisines of food that you could only have for the rest of your life, what would it be? Well, I would have to say Chinese, but that's, you know, I, um, it's the chicken and pineapple dish that my grandma does, best one ever. Um, and also the bok choy with the garlic and the oyster sauce, really good. The other cuisine, I quite... Recently, I've been really enjoying Viet, uh, Vietnamese, um, like with the summer rolls and spring rolls. It's quite fresh. So kind of the Asian cuisine. I mean, I could definitely say the thing is, right, being gluten intolerant, if I was to say Italian, they'd probably be like, well, what are you going to have? Like the gluten free pizzas and the gluten free pastas, pastas getting better. The pizza bases are horrific. Um, yeah, I've only ever had one good gluten free pizza base. So yeah, I'll stick with the Asian cuisine and stick with my rice. <laughs> Isn't you, there a lot of gluten in, in, in at least in Chinese food? Mm, or is it different? Not really. No, like just rice. I grew up on rice. So <laughs> when I was yeah. younger, I couldn't have sugar, dairy. I mean, not many Asians can have dairy. And I couldn't have wheat. So I literally had rice cakes every single day, um, soya milk, and vegetables i mean i didn't really like vegetables when i was younger but i've had to like rice i just live off rice rice is great yeah. rice. um i mean and we have fish like when we go to my grandma she doesn't make any gluten dishes apart from okay fine desserts like you get the really nice cakes and the stuff like yes that has gluten in it but um to be fair, I'm not a huge fan of i know this is quite controversial but like you know the chinese so, sponge yeah. cakes it's too uh, too fluffy, too creamy, too much, but they're at every wedding. <laughs> yeah, I guess they're very simple and they're they're very easy to, and they were cheaper to make, I guess, as a mm -hmm. cake and a and a and a treat. I guess um, before things became more decadent and <laughs> and had multiple layers. But yeah, yeah I, I don't enjoy a sponge kind of. I, I like my no. fudge or my same moister cakes. So then, yeah. But okay, so cuisine-wise, you'd say Italian and Chinese, I guess. Yeah. Chinese and Vietnamese. But yeah, what about you? Chinese. Wait, Chinese or Vietnamese? You can't, you can't take both. Why? Or unless it's only <laughs> oh, oh, Chinese. 
<laughs> fine. Okay. No, no. As in only Chinese and Vietnamese. Yeah. 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 That's yeah, fine. Okay. Okay. So we're, we're kicking out Italians. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. No, for me, it's uh, uh, it would be Chinese and uh, Japanese. If oh, you, I'm not sushi. gonna, I'm not gonna get away. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not gonna get away because mm. Japanese food has this depth. So, like, there are a lot of things I can cover with Japanese food, like you're a right. lot of flavors. Like the, the oh, you're I so could, right. I, the matcha. Mm. Exactly, and you, yeah. So imagine not having that. Mm. So oh no, course, no, can I, I'll change. I'll change. I'll change. So or so, or or what we do is um, we have those three between us, and then we can share. So I'll give you some of my Vietnamese, and then um, I'll have some of your Japanese. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't the rule of the game, but I will <laughs> I will change it just for that, so that I can I can uh, yeah yeah cool. So now to move in a little bit of a segue towards a little bit more on something I want to talk about with YouTube and with university. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, when I met you one and a half years ago or slightly more than that, um, or at least when I first saw you on YouTube, uh, it was like me trying to search for Kings. Like, I, I don't know why I, what I was searching for in Kings, but then I, I saw a day mm -hmm. in the life of King's College London, which I think you put out, I think, in first yeah. year. And mm -hmm. I just thought it was very, there was a very clear vibe to you. And, and I think you, 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 you were like what I said earlier, it just felt like you wanted to genuinely help people and you wanted to help other first year students or I don't know. I don't know if you're doing it for the validation, which is perfectly fine. Uh, but how did you, like when you came to university and you were doing these videos, um, what made you want to create these university lifestyle videos? Well, I know it's pretty mainstream now. Like I feel like there are so many study tubers, but at the time when I was applying, so it was four years ago when I was looking at unis because I took a gap year, there was nothing. And I remember watching the King's College London had a YouTube channel and it was a video from seven years prior of this like lecturer doing a lecture. And I was like, this is not what I want at uni. And it didn't give me any insight into what uni was going to be like. No one had done it. Um, and the only reason that I knew a little bit about Kings and the reason why I actually chose Kings was because my sister went there. Um, so when I went, I was like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to do this and then hopefully help people who are looking at unis to see what it's like you know what the workload is like if this course is right for me if I like kings if I want to be in a campus or a city uni so it was kind of with that intention because I know that that was definitely missing at the time when I started it um so yeah yeah it was kind of yeah it was for other people I knew that also because my sister had a bit of a crap time I was like well I don't really like crying on camera um so I, I wasn't sure how I was going to go around it if it went badly I would have probably found that really hard um because it's you know it's quite a vulnerable position to be in but yeah luckily it turned out positive so I didn't have to cry on camera so yeah it was just yeah good luck vulnerable position as in as in you mean while creating videos about university during that moment you might be in a vulnerable yeah. position is that what you were yeah kind of like if so say for example if I hadn't picked the right course for me and I was having a really rubbish time at uni felt really isolated I would still I've been creating videos on my YouTube channel for like five six I don't know five years minimum and so it's kind of I would I knew I was going to continue doing it because it's something that I enjoyed especially if I didn't enjoy my uni course I would have definitely kept with the videos so 
I would have wanted to tell the people that were watching me and like had seen me pack for uni, had seen me do all my A-level preps and got into uni, I would have wanted to kind of update them on my life situation. I feel like it is super vulnerable being like, yeah, I'm having a bit of a crap time uh, thinking of dropping out. You know, like I know that there are loads of people that do that now and it I it takes a lot of strength. So that's, yeah, that's kind of what I meant by vulnerable. Yeah, and I guess in a way your audience grew up with you. Uh, mm-hmm. Would you say that when you started off, maybe when you were 16, is that... Right. Oh, I think I was, yeah, I might have even been 15, because I'm 21 now. I was, yeah, 15. I was pretty young. Or maybe I was even yeah, 14. <laughs> but see... Uh, I don't, yeah, I was young. So I was 14 a long time ago, and I can't imagine, <laughs> I can't imagine putting myself out there. I was very insecure about a lot of things. And I guess at the time, what made you feel like when you were 14, 15, like... So even before doing these university things, what did you want to share with people? What what were, what was driving you to get this done? Well, I was pretty lucky in that before I started YouTube, I actually had my Instagram. So I was doing Instagram for definitely since I was thirteen, um, and I basically learned how to kind of build a build a following on there. But something that I noticed is when you're building a brand, the thing that always lasts is a face. So for the first two maybe even three years I was on Instagram, I wouldn't ever post my face. People didn't know who I was, but I was just posting things that I was making and creating and I thought were beautiful. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to make it, <laughs> going to make it about me. But it, in the fact that it would kind of, in a business sense, last longer. Also, when I'd look back at these photos that I'd made for three years, I'd be like, yeah, I remember making that, but it wasn't personal to me. So I am so grateful that I started as young as I did because I can look back, cringe a lot. But once you've got over the cringe, you're like, wow, I remember doing that. That was such a wonderful day. Or wow, I've really grown and I'm really proud of that. Um, so yeah, I kind of started it. I was, of course, nervous. Um, and I feel like everyone is in their first few videos. It's quiet and really shy and I am only 14 or 15 so I don't really know what like I was just kind of I think had I not started my YouTube channel I would not be half as confident as I am now um and I was not confident before starting so I was really worried about what people would say at school I feel like that's normal you're at school you see these people every day they love YouTube they're going to be on YouTube it will most likely pop up on their recommended so yeah, but luckily I was around people that were, no, well, there may have been one or two odd mean comments from people in other classes, but I didn't, I didn't mind. I knew that my friends supported me and they're like, this is brilliant, like keep it up. And my mum and my sister all really liked it as well. They just tell me anything to make more videos because yeah. <laughs> so it, yeah, I think the support network that I had around me was enough to kind of push through the, the barrier of the negativity that I could have potentially got but yeah I didn't let that get to me you know I also I feel like a lot of people start YouTube channels when they don't really have many friends so I would say like when I first started I did it well when I first started Instagram I didn't have any friends <laughs> like I was the super loner kid who had loads of extra time um I had my camera and I would just take photos of stuff and I was really strict with my schedule so I post every single day at 3 p.m I was speaking to people from uh, kind of making friends with people from um, other countries so Philippines America and we would have these little groups and we would help each other grow and that was kind of when I was like wow this is how easy it is to make friends and it was really nice and that kind of gave me loads of 
experiences with different people and so I feel like that's actually helped loads at uni because King's is such an international uni so I feel like having international friends from a young age helped but yeah bit of a bit of a tangent there <laughs> no I I think well there's a lot of things you just said I think firstly at when you were 13 on Instagram mm. that was eight years ago that was 2013 so Instagram was only about a year old or if anything a yeah. year and a half and mm-hmm. so you already were kind of the fact that you even had a schedule like now people okay I'm gonna post at the right times you have the analytics at the time you didn't have the analytics <laughs> you didn't you, nobody was telling you there weren't like long blog posts and Instagram videos on how to actually grow on Instagram but the fact that mm-hmm. you understood early on that you were gonna use this as but what you were gonna use this as a were you thinking of building a brand or were you doing it like what was your main motivator uh, to actually, you know, be so strict with your content? Because this is like in 2013, I was posting Mm -hmm. uh, photos of of food (laughs) and myself with filters, if you remember, with the frames. Uh, But what motivated you to actually have a like a like a thing to to push forward with? So when I remember scrolling through my feed and seeing this page on pink things and I thought oh yeah that's quite pretty but not very good but she has 20,000 followers and I was like you know what I could do that but I could do it for purple things and I would have actually make it nice I could make the feed pretty she doesn't interact with her followers she's got kind of weird people I could definitely do it better so I started doing that and taking photos of like purple things but um yeah and that was kind of my brand at the start that was it was just a purple page and I was really consistent with it and I started to grow I was consistent at first because I just enjoyed it so I was posting every day and then I realized on the days I didn't post my posts wouldn't get as many likes and things like that and I was just kind of working out these algorithms as such um at the start and then because even now like in YouTube you have these little groups of people that you know help you just find your your group and then I remember finding my group and they're like oh you know why don't we do this thing where we you know promote each other and then see if we grow and then I'm pretty sure we all had like 99% of our followers were following the other person like we just Mm. had kind of like a really strong force behind us um and I I mainly started it just because I was like how can this person (laughs) I just knew that I could do better and also yeah it was just for fun (laughs) <laughs> yeah and i think because now with so much more well like everyone's fighting for each other's attention and so even it it takes it takes a lot of strength and consistency to keep at it so even when you did start and you continued so when you did progress onto youtube Mm-hmm. why did you choose to create what you created? What did you create? What was your like vibe that you wanted to put up <laughs> when you were 15? So once well, you like, was... you went from, you went from Instagram, <laughs> so you went to YouTube, well, what were you trying to do? Basically, I also, so it wasn't just having a face behind a brand, but it's also having a personality behind a brand. So there's only so much a picture can show. So I was like, okay, um, I've been watching loads of YouTube. My followers are like, why don't you start making some videos? You speak about it all the time. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a go. Like I've got a camera, I can do it. It was not the vibe that I'd like to put out now. And, I, and at that time, I didn't think in vibes like I do now. It was just, I just put out what I enjoyed watching. So I remember my first video was the top five or top like five facts about me or something like that, just to get people to know me. Um, 
and then I was doing things like what's in my bag, what's um, like a room tour, I was doing hauls and it's completely different, like, I've not done a haul in two years um, and although I do love room decorations like that is still very much my vibe, I like making things not minimalistic but pretty um, and um, I'm not saying that minimalistic can't be pretty, I just wish I could be minimalistic but I'm not. Um, but like, <laughs> all the people listening to this who actually believe in minimalism like it's a thing just got offended um no but, i no. It, it honestly is a thing my sister's in, like she is so good at being my flatmate she her, her shelves are empty like she has one thing that she uses on it and she's like oh it's so clean i'm like yeah but i've got so much stuff i've just i have i'm so emotionally attached to things like i've had these lights now since the start of uni i can't i can't take them down this this is actually not actually mine this was my sister's the flowers behind me they are from a wedding fair that my sister did but now they've been in my room for a year i can't let them go you know um they've all got memories <laughs> but, i, I um, don't uh, yeah <laughs> fair enough <laughs> yeah i i that, that's another thing like because with these videos only recently I went back and I was watching some of the old ones and I think it was maybe five years ago I just started private like I started privating the ones from five years ago it's been that long I think also because it cringes me to watch them but also my sister was like no it shows the growth but also I'm like from a business perspective I know that people in the sphere have been doing it for a long time but you can't tell because they do delete all of their old videos and they just start afresh and I get that because it's kind of like you know when something bad not saying that something bad has happened but when a brand is trying to regenerate they scrap all of their old marketing get the new color palette in and just become like a new better brand um and I didn't really want to see myself like that so that's why I've kept some of the few old ones but I know that if I wanted to you know become like Ali Abdul if I just wanted to um copy someone I just get rid of all my videos start again and just do it as he does it but that's not really why I, I'm too emotionally attached <laughs> to everything to like my past self to all of the things to do anything that's too commercial I'm not really like I don't I'm a business student but I I have to balance my ethics with the business <laughs> if that makes sense and and I do I do want to get into how you actually work with brands and how you actually got to that. But it is a groundwork that you did early on, which I think mm -hmm. a lot of people, even for myself, uh, and and I think when so when I first met you and I asked you, and I told you about this plan, I told you about how I wanted to uh, create these videos on health and mindset and react to things. And mm -hmm. after me going on about it for about maybe a few minutes, you said, have you ever considered a podcast? And look and, at you today. <laughs> and look at me today. And after one and a half years of me trying everything else out, I am back to where I'm just at where you said I should have started. So um, let's say, okay. So how do you at the beginning when before you were doing things because you cared about it and you wanted to make videos and you're doing it for a while, but there are a lot of people that get into it immediately wanting to make money and immediately wanting to work with brands. Right. How do you feel that, uh, how, how does that approach change when you don't do it just for yourself? How do you feel? I feel like people know when you're just doing something for the money. Um, there's only so much that you can hide it because a lot of the time people, well, the people that I watch anyway do vlogs and they show their life and they show their personality. If in your vlogs, in your daily vlogs, you're just, you know, doing your strategies and 
things don't add up, you're just, you know, fake for the camera, then um, I, I wouldn't really want to watch that because I'm also super worried that anything that I watch, I'm absorbing. I'm super aware of that. So my flatmate's like, oh, you know, I hate watching things where all the people are perfect. I like watching this, you know, random psycho character and sometimes I, I do but also I'm like, I don't want to pick up that kind of manipulative behavior that that character's doing so I don't like I just don't want to be shown that kind of stuff like I know it exists but I don't want it in me um but I completely get what you mean also I feel like the reason that I started young I liked it but also I knew that kind of being ahead of a curve is super important so I was there really early. I kind of knew when it was getting, what I was doing, doing my purple pages and stuff, that was getting to the best that it could get. So I knew kind of when is a good time to change. And then it happened again. I was like, okay, I feel like YouTube's going to get big. Let's just try it again. And that's just kind of how, so it's a little bit risk. I love a little bit of risk. Not too much. Apparently I am a risk averse, but I still am happy to take gambles when it comes to things like this because, you know, if I enjoy taking photos, big probability I'm going to enjoy making videos and then yeah so kind of knowing where you are on the curve um I feel like <laughs> but do you feel that because you enjoyed what you did it made it more uh mentally stabilizing in a way because if you there are a lot of things you could have done early on that may have gotten you the growth faster I'm assuming that mm -hmm. you might have thought about yeah. but did you feel that, no, I'm just going to, like, if you were going to give anyone else advice or you're going to give me advice, uh, okay. would you would you, would you you say still continue doing what you're doing and then think about branding uh, seamlessly as you move forward as opposed to thinking about the brand first and then creating the videos? Which one would you say? I know it's a complicated question. I feel like even the no, way I no, worded it wasn't question. the best. But no, that, that's which really, one would no, you, that's clear. So when I do a little bit of um, consulting with companies, companies is so different. So you, you're my friend. Um, I, you will have a different brand as a person than a company would. So when it's a company, it's always brand first. And then you start again. With a person, I think what's almost worked with me is that the brand has kind of evolved with me. Like you say, I've had, my people have been following me since I was 13 and they were about 14, 15, the same age. We all went through school together. We all have gone through uni together and we're all getting our first jobs together. So the brand kind of evolves with you. So I feel like as a person, that's fine. Um, if I also am aware, it's kind of like a trade-off. Social media is really short term. You know, like you don't have long. <laughs> so... If you're going to go in it because you want to make all your money then, then yes, you go in with your brand, what you're going to do, you have a strategy, but that's not like, I know that for me, social media wouldn't, wouldn't be my full-time job. It's something that I do on the side. So for you, if you want to make it your full-time job, and if you want this to be your goal, then yes, have a strategy, fix it down and go with it. Like you have to plan and make it perfect. If you want to be really big and successful, I feel like for me, because it's something that I just enjoy and I mean when I had my gap year right I was just doing YouTube stuff and that was kind of when I almost lost the spark for me because I put so much pressure on myself to do so well bring out this merch make videos twice a week climb Everest make extravagant content and it was it was too much and that's why I tore my ACL apparently my mum said you burnt the candle and now like karma you know so yeah. I feel like, I mean, I don't, my, my flatmate was like, that's, that's not the reason why. But um, like, sometimes I do think 
sometimes life throws things at you and it just reminds you I basically remember thinking during my gap year, look, I know I'm not going to give up because I'm not the giving up kind of person, but I really want to. I have no motivation for this whatsoever. Came to uni, started learning. YouTube was the love of my life again. Like it was back on the side. I enjoyed making all the content and I actually had stuff to make content about. I didn't want to just make videos being like, surprise, I've got merch coming out for Dementia UK. Like I wanted to actually show what I was doing in my life because, you know, <laughs> yeah. And I think the, based on what you said about, uh, just when you start creating videos or you actually start creating a brand, um, your expectations and what you want out of it has to be very clear. And there are a lot of us that, a lot of people that start off on social media that see people making a lot of money uh, and look like they're having amazing lives where they don't have to have a nine to five. It's a very mm. attractive thing, but it is a pyramid and there are very few people at the top. But there are a lot of people in between, I feel, that are making a good amount of money doing what they love. It's just that you probably aren't hearing about them because the algorithm isn't pushing them towards into your face. But there's so many people making maybe the same amount that they would have in a job, but at least they're doing it uh, in, in their own, on their own terms. And that's totally great. And I feel like yeah. that is not shown to people enough. Like there's a middle class of creators that are totally happy, <laughs> you know, right? It's yeah. not my term. I, yeah. I, I watched this somewhere. Um, a middle class of creators that are, are really happy that you know, in university, they make just about enough money to maybe pay for their food. Like nobody's trying to, like a lot of people want to make so much money that they don't have to work after uni. But there are a lot of you that can probably make enough to buy a nice, I mean, uh, rent a nice apartment or uh, pay for yeah. food and other things that you love and be totally happy. And that's, uh, that's the thing. And when I see your videos, um, I think that you're very realistic with what you do. And I, and I feel that, uh, and if you haven't watched Mayng's videos, please go watch that. I'll have a link. <laughs> uh, if you're on YouTube, you know, go Cheers. check it out and just to see, to see, to see what I'm talking about. But, um, what do you think about expectations? So let's say things are not going too well. What would you say to others so that they can push on? I always have my expectations set really low. That is just how I, <laughs> that's just how I go through life. No, that's, I, mean, I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I started yeah. uni with the intention of my mum's friend telling me you're going to get depressed. It's just when. So I knew the bar is really low. So even just a little bit of joy kind of surpassed that expectation. I was like, okay, it's not too bad. Like I don't, you know, with YouTube, I never expect anything from it. Like I, so for example, let me think when, when you're feeling unmotivated, it's often because you're comparing yourself to someone else. Like relativity, you're thinking that this person's super productive, I'm not. That's just wrong. <laughs> that's just, that's the toxic kind of to culture of, you know, work culture and hustle culture. I feel like for me, knowing that I, <laughs> I have low expectations of myself, but I also know that I work really hard. So I know I can do well so it's just kind of making sure that you're not comparing yourself to other people and being like okay this person's done better than me but what I'll do is I will set my expectations lower so I can surpass it or I will just work harder um one of the two and what you just said <laughs> well exactly what I talked about in the last two episodes so in the third episode in a row I'm gonna say uh 
not expecting too much and focusing on what you can control. You can work hard. Yes. You can set the time and prioritize exactly what mm-hmm. you said. And the fact that I'm, I'm talking about it again without even actually prodding you at it. I mean, anyone listening, um, that's the point. It, the more we compare, um, like even th- mm-hmm. there are definitely people, let's say there are people in university right now watching your videos, feeling that your life is probably amazing and there she is, you know, studying in Kings in London and she's making all these videos and I wish I could do that. That's probably happening, right? I'm, I'm sure you're not doing that. You're not trying to hurt anyone on purpose. <laughs> I know. You aren't. Yeah. And I know you're yeah. not because I've seen your videos, but but clearly there will be people comparing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think... But I don't want them to. Like, this is why whenever... You know when you, you go to an interview and they ask you, oh, who's your idol? Who do you idolize? I'm like, no one. I don't compare myself to an idol. I think also idolizing one person is really bad. It's so toxic because you can never know everything about one person. Um, I mean, fair enough if you were to say your mum or your dad because you know them pretty well and they've been through hardship. I think that's that's a nice answer. But I wouldn't say when it comes to a celebrity, yes, they might work hard and you just don't know the person. That's why I think never compare yourself. To, like It's just so bad. Uh, of course, if you... I mean, comparing yourself... I don't really see what the benefit that you get out of it. If it's literally only to make yourself feel worse. <laughs> it's it's because structurally or systemically we are compared in school. I'm going to say that because mm-hmm. we are learned to compare, um, it's not that you just do well. It's how well do you do compared to everyone else in your class or even within siblings or parents yeah, okay, do fine. it. To, <laughs> That's to, a good I'm not, I'm not trying to no. take that away. I'm saying that for but, for mm, everyone who thinks so... because it's sorry. Sorry, I, I was just going to say that like even your point about siblings, I completely get that being in an Asian family. Even though my parents didn't mean to, there was of course even from other families. It's like oh, you two look similar in age. You know what, what does she get for her GCSEs? What the, the day that I got my GCSEs and it was the exact same as my sister's was one of the happiest days of my life because I knew that they couldn't compare me and her they wouldn't say one's better than the other and I completely get what you mean but it's so toxic I have to really retrain myself out of thinking like you know this person does better than me in class but also at the same time that's it's definitely part of Asian culture I feel like to be like to want the best in to, to do the best academically I know that when I get a good mark back from a grade I'm buzzing for the rest of the day like I am on a high but that's not necessarily now because I know I've done better than other people it's because I know that I tried my hardest and also that grade is you know often better than I expect because I've got such low expectations of myself you know so it's kind of reframing how I I thought of academics and how I feel when it comes to the sibling sibling rivalry as such but yeah sorry as you were saying (laughs) No, I, I, I uh, so I don't have any siblings. I just use it as an example because I've definitely heard from other people how it really affects them. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's not just parents doing what they do. I mean, all of us have a system that we've been trained or believed uh, that that we, like our success depends on other people's, or how much they achieve. Because our success, like there's no success without comparison. Uh, I, I do believe in a certain point of that uh, when it comes to external success. But knowing exactly who you like, like what we talked about earlier, how do you validate yourself personally? You have to set those rules yourself. If you talk about money, you talk about likes, follows, and uh, people liking you, that's other people deciding your mm-hmm. success 
Only you can yeah. like if you just wake up in the morning and you do your five habits and you say that's success, that's success. But we don't do that. So the problem is that we, you know, we start looking, we start creating, we're letting other people control our success. And, and that's a very uh, good point. yeah. No, I, I feel like that's kind of why when it comes to numbers and followers, that's why so much negativity stems around it. And there's like, everyone is focused on how many subscribers and I get why brands are because, you know, that's often linked to their return on marketing investment. But when it comes to people being like, oh, you've got loads of followers, like, you know, you must be really cool. or And then it makes you think, oh, you know, like I've got loads of followers or I don't have enough followers or I just feel like that's, if, if you have those, you just have to change how you think about it. Um, I also feel like that comes from a privileged position in that I've been, I was really young when I first kind of got exposed to caring about numbers. And in those first three years, I remember when I was 15 and my account had just reached something like 800,000. And I remember being like, this is, this is the best it's ever going to get. And I was so obsessed with, in the first minute, I should have 10,000 likes and I would just track all, but that's because my brain is naturally analytical. So I'm thinking about numbers, but now I'm like, okay, if I want to think about something strategically, then yes, I might be like, okay, look, this didn't, you know, this post didn't go down so well. So maybe I, I might not do it. Or if I, but the thing is, then I know I'm creating content for someone else. The thing is about my page now, I create content because I enjoy it. If it doesn't go well, I'd still create the content, but maybe change it a little bit. Maybe change how you've done the editing, or but still put out what put put out what you enjoy. And it's so hard to not focus on numbers. That's why you know the whole thing with Instagram not showing uh, like counts would be quite interesting to see what that does to um, you know mental health and things. But yeah, it, it's hard. They've been not saying to... that, but we still see the likes. I don't know I where know. which countries which country has the the the. I know in Canada. In the UK, we see it. Okay, Canada, they, they I, I guess. Cut it out, I think. So. In some yeah, programs. and I think, I think when you're saying, so, I think for me when I when I hear what you just said, I think it's like, let's say you want to make money on YouTube, uh, mm -hmm. but you also want to be authentic and you want to not like go into a hole of, uh, of <laughs> destructive mental health uh, practices. Um, would you say, this is my opinion, you can uh, tell me what you think, you have to think about how you're providing value to others. And then when you provide value to others, you find ways to find that value financially. Instead of thinking of how am I going to make money and what do I create? You think about, because you think about how does this person benefit from my time? So they're giving up their watch time. So they're giving their, their like, a t limited lifespan on you for that moment and you're 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 making the life a little bit better and from there you start understanding okay what is this value that i can extract from it would you say that's a generally good and sustainable way to build a brand on youtube yes yeah i would yes that's um, it that's would, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, i think cool. <laughs> no it's nice it's a nice way to put it that you're thinking of the value that you're giving someone it's so nice when you get the comments on, on on my youtube and they're like oh because of this video you know um i've applied to kings or and then you know a couple months later they'll be like i got accepted into kings and it's like that has changed someone's life isn't it i just find that that still blows my mind i wouldn't like it's hard to put financial monetary value on it I really have to separate it my brain is definitely in two parts so 
when it comes to things like ads on my video, I'm really <laughs> careful. Like, I don't like the non-skippable ads. I know that they are super, you can get loads of money for those compared to the other ones. But also I'm a bit like, I know how frustrating they are. Like sometimes I will clip off a video because I don't want that. And I don't want people to think that I'm only in it for the money. So that's why I'll, I will never put on, I mean, YouTube puts it on a default, so I'll click it off and I won't have those non-skippable ones. They have to be skippable ads on my channel. I just feel like, yeah, if you're doing it for a brand, then maybe there are some people that I will watch their ads. Like there are some, you know, the money channels or Ali Abdul, when they're, they're giving a lot of, a lot of advice and it's actually really useful advice that I can implement. I think I saw a triangle once that was like, so to have a successful YouTube channel, you either need, you need two of these things. You need a good personality, you need good editing, or you need good advice. And it has to be two of those things. So either you have the advice and the personality, or you have the editing and the advice, but you need two of those. If you've only got one, then you don't have it. <laughs> and I just I'm trying to think, think which one I have. <laughs> which you've one got, I don't you've got have. Them all. You have the advice and you do do the editing. Like you can see the clarity of this video is clean. Yours is I'm still not over this quality um, and the personality. Your personality comes through when you do your little coffee things and you do your little funny jokes, you know. And well, I, I saw like that I do my little funny jokes. <laughs> <laughs> you, like, it, it, it's because it's not natural for most people to speak to a camera. It takes a long time. Um, yeah. And, you know, some people it comes naturally, some people it doesn't. Right. So... In terms of, uh, I think when you mentioned uh, AdSense and also mm -hmm. uh, let's, I mean, AdSense would say that would be the most, it's pretty passive other than the fact that you yeah. have to put on a video, but other than that, it's passive. But I think there are a lot of people that may not want to do ads, so they feel like it's not the right thing to do. But I think one very important point that I've watched and read is that YouTube is not charging you to put your content out there. So if you want to support or them to support you together, they make money off you. So as long yeah. as you allow ads, another mm -hmm. thing is that the more ads you allow, the more likely YouTube might actually show your videos or because yeah. you're working mm -hmm. with them. They'll so, get more money. They get, I think it's either you get 60% or you get 40% and they get the other part. So I think they, I think you make 55 and they make 40, 45. Yeah. I think, big yeah. Chunk. And the thing is, if you don't, if you don't, yeah, exactly. A big chunk, but if you feel that you want to be a sustainable, let's say you want to be a sustainable creator in a way that you don't want ads and you make money off a separate platform like Patreon or or oh, whatever, and you create a mm -hmm. sponsorships, uh, that also means that YouTube might not show your work as much because they're not getting a direct cut from your content. Of course, they might find another way by feeding, I don't know, another channel towards you. Um, yeah, but... maybe. But also they want what YouTube want at the end of the day, yes, is revenue. But another thing they want is watch time. They want more people spending more minutes on their website than any other app. So if your channel is keeping people for 30 minutes at a go, they're going to still promote you. Yes, they won't promote you as much as someone who's got 30 minutes of ad time and ads. But they'll still promote they just want to keep people engaged and if you have good content I'm not saying you know don't put ads on I know Casey Neistat did that whole thing and then he backtracked when he had to pay for his kids tuition but it's like I, I can understand <laughs> Casey Neistat you know he didn't monetize his videos for I think what, the first two years because he didn't want people to think he was doing it for that reason built up the following he still 
YouTube still pushed him because he was creating incredible content. They were sending him all the stuff. and But then when his son went to college, he had to pay for the tuition. So then he put on the ads, which I thought was quite funny. Um, yeah. That's a know, nice, that's a good reason. I don't think anyone watching would be like, oh, this guy is selling yeah. out. Like literally, <laughs> he's making great videos. All you have to do is watch it. That's, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so in terms of, so in terms of AdSense and just making money off that, uh, that's one way that a lot of people want to get into. I, I think you get a thousand subscribers and 4,000 mm -hmm. hours. You finally get into monetizable range. And after that, what would you say would be the next step in terms of anyone trying to, or even if you, okay, let's say you were giving me advice. Uh, these yeah. podcasts uh, do okay. And I get to a point where I'm, I have AdSense money, whatever amount per day. Uh, what do you think would be the next step if you were going to, if you were my consultant, what do you think would okay. be my next step? Looking for sponsorships would be the next thing that I would suggest doing. If um, if your viewers are actually really engaged, if you can't invest, so you say you've got the best equipment and things like that, and there's nothing else that, um, or maybe you you want better equipment, but you need to finance the equipment, then I'd say sponsorships. Um, so looking for someone who is relevant to your niche, so life advice, like a company, um, whether, whether that be... There are loads of companies, so, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if it really is your niche, but, so you do gym stuff, right? Loads of gym companies are doing sponsorships and stuff like that. Um, also with photography and things like that, so working with, um, I mean, podcasts, it's pretty hard to work with Canon, but maybe go with things like Rode or with a microphone or something like that, um, or something that just integrates seamlessly into your podcast if you're speaking about forming habits, so maybe a habit tracker app or something that you use. So that's if you're looking for money that way, finding something that is actually useful again to your subscribers, something um, authentic that you actually do use yourself. So whether it be the new microphone or this habit tracker app or whatever, um, then sending out a message is fine. If when you're in the early days, you have to send out messages. They very, very rarely will send you a message. So having your media kit prepared, having your rates ready, and being polite and um, business, business like, it's okay to be a little informal after a while. But I think always, apparently, loads of people don't reply to their email. So one of the reasons that I keep uh, at the start, I would always get repeat business, was because like you are great at contacting me. Like, you are always on. You're always you know replying, and you're so easy to work with. So we're just going to work with you again. And that was how I built up the relationships. Just making sure that you are. Because people in, in every industry talks, they talk in advertising and PR and marketing. They know if you're if you're easy to work with or not. At the end of the day, that's what I would really recommend. That when you reach out to these people, that you're polite. You don't expect anything from them, but you just go, look, I have a lot of value, and this is what I can add to your brand. I think it would also add value to my uh, listeners' lives as well through X, Y, and Z. These are my rates. Feel free if to let me know your thoughts if you want to negotiate or whatever. But I always, <laughs> money tip, uh, always go higher. They will always pretty much negotiate you down. Always go higher, never settle. Okay, so uh, on the first bit that you said, I mean, my apartment, uh, I don't have that many things. And so I was thinking, all minimalist. right. Minimalist. Uh, yeah, minimalist, yeah. Or just, <laughs> I just don't like things. Uh, but... Okay, so obviously there are a lot of things that I have uh, that I care about. Would you say mm. that, because I, 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 I wouldn't, sometimes 
it might take a little more effort for me to just mention things to show people my life so that I can plan towards sponsorships. And I don't think that's a very slimy thing because I'm honestly, I can talk about Audible all day because I listen to Audible, <laughs> but I can also yeah. never mention Audible till the day I get sponsored by Audible. So would you recommend... I just Dude, talk I about just things did. I care about. <laughs> yes, I just did. Okay. So even like my, my like, like look canister from Japan. I mean, it's not from, I mean, it's a Japanese brand, but it's like minimalist yeah. and it doesn't, I love it. But then, and I drink water from it. So, so why if you I did this, message? right. So I guess for me and for anyone else out there, I guess it's good to just share what you already use because mm-hmm. it is you, it is your brand. The reason why you chose maybe, the reason why I chose this bottle or I chose uh, I listen on Audible. It's it's something that I would recommend to anyone else for free, and I've been doing it for free. And I think we all do yeah. it for free. So the yeah. best way is to maybe. So would you say that I would just a little put in a little more effort to just maybe talk about it a bit more, knowing that there's a possibility in the future for me to uh, make money off it? I mean, not, how would you think? Not necessarily. I mean, say for example, my channel. I did a video on Notion. And everyone, it was not sponsored, but everyone was like, wow, this really should be sponsored. Never heard of Notion before. What the hell? I'm converted. I also did a video when I had my laser eye surgery and I told loads of people about the sur- like the place that I had it. There have been about 20 comments being like, oh, I'm going here. They're like, wow, this video should be sponsored by them. I'm, I've got my surgery tomorrow and things like that. But I didn't do it for that reason. Of course, it popped into my mind thinking maybe I should message them. Maybe I should have. But also at the same time, <laughs> it's a personal thing so my stress levels I can tolerate quite a high level of stress but always in my life I got my uni work I've got a part-time job I've got YouTube and then if I add on sponsorships I need to just make sure that they're at the right time but that's why I didn't reach out to these brands at that point because I've got loads of other things going on but I would have recommend say if you were in my position yeah reach out to Notion or yes reach out to Audible you don't have to speak about it before there have been loads of times so for example I worked with HP I worked with Canon right um Mm. I'm working with Canon next week and I've been using my Canon camera since 2013 but I've never done a video specifically for Canon I've never made like this is my tech gear but I mean you can see the camera that I use in my vlogs but and even when I work with them it does it's not like oh yeah this is the camera like it's not a sponsored video it's just they sponsored today's video or I'm working with them or I'm doing a shoot with them but it's not you don't have to sell things it, you don't want it to sound like you're selling because it is just like talking to a friend so like oh yeah no I used this the other day really good like if you ever wanted to do that then yeah definitely check it out and I'll send you a link just you know it's so different you're not you're not a salesman <laughs> that's not your job as a content creator your job is to create content that is useful um and if you happen to have a sponsorship in it that is useful and is authentic then go for it don't don't stress about whether i've mentioned it before or not i mean you're quite pragmatic when it comes to your brand so i can see why you might not be mentioning audible what I would say, if you want to reach out to Audible, send them a message and be like, look, these are my listeners. This is the demographics of them. Um, I've been using you for X, Y, and Z years. And I think it would be great if we could work together, even if you don't have, um, you know, no, I would mention budget. So I'd be like, but if, if not right now, then, you know, please do keep me in the loop. Um, and I'd love to know when you're you're looking to work with new creators. So things like that, that's that's what I would recommend for you. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm very bad at reaching out. I think that's something that I would definitely have to start working on. And I think that's it's it's a great point that um, that people don't have to. I think you don't have to overthink this. And going to the same point that we've been writing home is that you're providing value to people first, and you are monetizing from that value. Uh, if you want to, of course, there'll be other YouTubers that I might have on this platform, uh, on this podcast that might say something else. But I think with yeah. you and how <laughs> I would say you're satisfied with what you're doing and you yeah. are going to graduate this year and you know you're going to get a job uh. and you know, <laughs> you hopefully yes. know that you're going to get a job. Uh, whatever it is, you're going to go to work. You're not trying, you're not, um, you're not moving into full-time YouTube, right? That's not the no. plan. No, but you would say that you're doing enough to actually slowly build it up and yeah. there's a compounded like compounding over time it's literally just what you said earlier about you make enough to help you afford your weekly food shop to help you afford your rent and it just makes your life a little bit nicer and i don't think there's anything wrong in that the amount of hard work that goes into these things it, it's i think is fair enough and also it's like you say, another business tip is the passive income. So all of the videos that I've made on my channel are now going to be making me money forever. All, all the affiliate links, I've recently only started doing them properly and it makes such a big difference. Um, passive income. I'm not a stocks and shares investment um, consultant, but, you know, investing my spare change now. Just small yeah. things so that I, in the long run, as a female as well, with the gender pay gap, I have to be focused on these kind of things. So that in... 50 years time when I do retire, probably 50 years time, hopefully not, hopefully, anyway, whatever, hopefully like 20 years time when I do retire, I won't have the huge discrepancy that I would do, in, you know, being a male and a female. There is often a 50,000 pound gap if you were to have the exact same job, the exact same title and the pay, that's how that's how much difference a pay makes by the end of your retirement for a female. Yeah, and so, I want to, sorry, I just want to add in that this is a very huge topic and a very... Uh, the, the gender pay gap and generally the gender gap is a huge topic that we can't just brush over. The fact that you had to consider it and the fact that you have to feel that you have to do more is a whole problem. And, <laughs> okay, I'm going to make that clear yeah. to everyone listening that it's a huge problem. Uh, but it also is. because we are hitting the one hour mark. Race. I, I will. Well, the word <laughs> yeah, race, yeah, yes. So yeah, I will also, like, that you and I could talk about this. I could go on and on for 45 <laughs> minutes straight, but I will not in this episode. But I also want to make it clear to everyone that I am acknowledging it. And that's something that mm -hmm. we all need to talk about, especially even in creating content. There are certain things that men don't have to deal with uh, that women do when they create content. Uh, uh, the safety issues and a lot of other privacy concerns that mm -hmm. women have to that we don't. Uh, not saying that men don't deal with it, but again, it's not about that. Uh, and yeah. also race issues and also your um, your orientation. and The, the levels just keep mm -hmm. slicing up. Yeah. And um, I think, but the fact that you're considering it, uh, yes, so that's that. But um, <laughs> in, in general, I think, um, so, because I remember there was one thing where I think you had like a sponsorship with co-op, right? And I thought yes. that was, that was so nice. Like, I, I feel like being with a brand that's not like a brand, like it's, it's food. It's, we all eat it. <laughs> and I, I was like, yeah. And how do you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that was great. And if you don't well, know, because... if you're sorry, if, if you're sorry. not from the UK, a co-op is like a, it's a supermarket brand, a chain, a conglomerate. So 
Yeah, so Foodwise, you know, being sponsored by them. How did that, how, can you just tell me that specifically, being sponsored by a food company? Because I feel, for me, uh, I eat food, I talk about food, <laughs> I talk about healthy food, uh, but how do I, so how do I get around with food? Because it's not like my audience, I guess, everyone that's listening eats. So how do, <laughs> I, how do I be specific, yeah. like my audience? Yeah. yeah, no, I get that. I think... Um, what I'm aware of is at the moment I'm very much in this kind of student niche so at that time there was kind of a push for co-op students in London they just brought out this new it was very cool and it's very up my street it was a zero emissions no carbon they basically were cycling to deliver your weekly food shop for you um, and I was like yeah that's brilliant love me a bit of ESG a bit of you know climate conscious um, and so what happened was it was kind of targeting the students but just like with you anything you just need to tell them what you do so you say look i i focus on gym healthy lifestyle that's perfect for food that is exactly what co-op all of these food brands they don't want to be known as you know being healthy and unhealthy junk food they want to be seen as you know having a balanced lifestyle having good options um quick on the go, full of protein, you know, things like that. And it's just reaching out and saying, like at that time, it, I, I didn't reach out. I'd actually worked with them before two years ago. Um, and then a year ago before that. So I'd worked on them in total for three campaigns. So it was kind of it was like a longstanding relationship um, that you build up with the brands. But I think originally it was through an agency, an agency. So co-op will hire people to look for, content creators to message um and yeah. yeah yeah and i i think the what i'm trying to what i'm getting out of this at least for me it's like be clear with what my values are because mm -hmm. i feel like i don't know whether what this niche is because i obviously the last three two other people i've spoken to are also making videos on youtube but my whole point here is to try and explore why people can do what they do but that isn't yeah. a niche. That's not like a, that for me is like, is like, even if we're talking about potential and health and mental health, it's not mental yeah. health. It's, it's, it's a, so I think what's going to happen now is that one of the reasons why I didn't do what I did, uh, why I didn't continue making videos last year and why I feel so blocked sometimes is that I don't want to follow one, like, I, I can't label what I'm doing. Not that I'm like, yeah. oh, I, you know, you can't cage me. Like, I'm not trying to, like, <laughs> you can't. No, you I can't, completely you, get you. <laughs> but that's all, all I'm saying is that uh, because my interests are so varied, um, I, I still mm -hmm. want to create a product for people to to know what I'm about. And, and because if they don't even know what you're about, they won't stick around long enough, especially new people. Uh, people who yeah. stick by me obviously know what generally over time. But to give that introduction, it's always nice to have this thing. So... What I'm trying to like think that I'm getting out from what you've said is that if I do have a set of values that I care about and things that I, I, I share with people and they understand and they trust me for a certain thing, then brands mm -hmm. maybe will value that my the people that listen to me trust me for trust. my values. So does do my values align with their values? Because obviously if I have if I'm not all about uh, positivity then there'll be a lot of brands that, let's say I'm, I'm very pragmatic and uh, pain and suffering is all part of life and I'm stoic there'll be definitely a lot of brands that like that's how I live but there'll be a lot of brands that be like no 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 like we we accept how you're living but we don't want that attached to our like brand values because that's your brand values and my brand values and that's how I would or does it not matter in a way I kind of see what I know I, I, I think 
in a way, yes, you are right. But you don't, your values, being pragmatic is not a bad thing. It's literally just how you frame everything. So, for example, saying um, some days you have bad days, some days you have good days. But sometimes it's okay to focus on the positive. It's just how, um, yeah, I feel like also you don't have to put yourself into the niche. So that's something that I wanted to bring back to. So I'm really careful not to put myself into the student vlogger niche all the time. Yes, I make uni vlogs, but also the most popular videos on my channel are all about scrapbooking. So my actual overarching niche as such on YouTube is just being creative. So whether that's creative in my uni vlog editing or creative making scrapbook pages, it's kind of that. So you don't have to just say, look, I only make a certain type of content because I certainly don't like I make uni vlogs. I make food things. I do. I do everything. And that is also a part of what makes YouTube fun for me. I couldn't just stick to one thing because it becomes super monotonous. Like I don't like putting out two vlogs in a row because <laughs> I just think it is a bit boring. I like to have the kind of variability because that's literally what I'm like as a person. I need all these different aspects in my life. I don't like things. I like structure, but I like, <laughs> you know, I like a bit yeah. of difference. Um, but when it comes to the you know, you're a good person. If you're, <laughs> that's, you know, you can have different ethics and different, I feel like the overarching thing for me is that, um, I mean, I, I wouldn't say, I don't say it in a video, but I do try to, the vibes that I give out tend to be kind of positive. I try to think optimistically. I try to think creatively and I try to be a kind person. So if I can, make something for someone else or if I can do something for someone else or um or solve a problem or do a math you know I don't know you know like um rather than buying one kilogram of rice I'll buy five because it's cheaper and then I'll find a cool way to store it or something you know what I mean so it, it's yes, not that my brand <laughs> yes rice storing rice very good example um no because I no I, I'm just <laughs> saying that I understand what you're saying because your first line of your Instagram bio is have a nice day, right? Have a nice day. Yeah. yeah I'm just is. saying that your point, you're, what you're trying to tell up, and that's is that's a lot of your videos and the vibe is like, whatever it is, um, have a nice day. I'm not here to like, I am here to create content, but you're doing it in a way that's hopefully making them feel a little better. Exactly. And, that's that yeah. is the night, but that's also the reason I do it. Is, it's the nicest feeling when someone comments being like, this has made me. Like, I've had the worst day, or something really bad has happened today, but this made me feel better and I'm really grateful and I know exactly how that feels because I've watched people and then felt that myself and been like wow I'm so grateful so then to be kind of on the receiving end it it, it means a lot to know that you have the power to not the power but you have the ability to help someone make someone feel better at the end of the day that is literally all content creators want to do I don't I don't think there is a content creator out there that wants someone to feel bad if like that's that's not what it should be about but yeah. yeah well a lot of people do make well a lot of people do make money off people may not you may not make people feel bad but people will you can eat into insecurities and stuff to actually get them to pay for things we know oh. that that's definitely yeah. a, it's a painful Diet thing culture. to watch but you can see yeah so i yeah like i could probably make more money if i just only just talked about apps and talked about how to lose weight but it pains me mm -hmm. which is why i don't I, I find it very difficult to get into that 
But, um, but also, like, I, I think that's one... not sustainable, you know? Like, just, just speak about apps because people would be so bored of your content. It shows no originality of thought. It doesn't show your personality. So, yes, in the short run, you might be able to make loads of money. But people will just be like, I'm so bored. I don't want to hear another app recommendation. I want to hear about your journey and your thoughts, your reflections. So i just like to say you're doing the right thing. Don't worry. It's long-term, not short-term. <laughs> Yeah, and I think the the faster you try to go up, I mean, you have a huge risk of how fast you go down. And it's like, if you're building content over time, you're building a whole set of health brand. If you're building a health brand as opposed to an abs brand, I mean, you make a lot of money in the short term, but I guess it also depends on your circumstances. So mm -hmm. again, to anyone listening, it's like, it's really based on your circumstances. If you really only want to make money now, because you really have to make money and you don't, yeah. and not in a privileged position to mm -hmm. wait it out, I think that I think the both of us are not really like taking that away from anyone. Like sometimes some people want to make money now and they know that they can with something yeah. very very easy and very very quick. And I guess I mean you I think your highest viewed video is on scrapbooks and some of your highest videos are on scrapbooks. So you could have had a choice to just make it a scrapbook channel. And you probably could have you you have you thought about that before? No. Yeah. But I I no, know yeah. that you know, like I would, I wouldn't do it because that's not me. My channel is me, which is maybe a dangerous thing because maybe I attach too much value to it. But it's just, I just see it more as a reflection of me, what I'm enjoying at that time. And it's not even the thing is, I really enjoy scrapbook videos. I would happily, at the same time, I would happily make. Uh, I don't think I would, but I could easily make the channel just for scrapbooks, and I it wouldn't upset me because I enjoy it so much. If I stopped enjoying things, like, for example, I'm not going to be at uni. So if I stopped making uni vlogs, and if I didn't enjoy making vlogs about my daily life, working in a job, my full-time job that I'll be starting hopefully in September, um, hopefully. then, <laughs> then <laughs> I will maybe make more scrapbook videos. I wouldn't make them every week because I feel like that would, it would just be too much. Maybe once a month, I'd happily do that because it's also a relaxing thing for me to do to make the scrapbook videos i enjoy it and if it helps other people then i don't see why i wouldn't do more of it but um you're right in the past if i had a niche i could have changed my youtube channel to scrapbook and it would have made a lot of money but also yeah, i don't I think so yeah. i don't yeah i don't want to do that that's not I do it because it is just what my life... I just want to look back at it and remember the things. Not, I mean, I can look at my scrapbook and I can look at the pages that I've made. I don't need to see those videos. Sometimes it's nice because sometimes my mum comes in and she's like, oh, you know, this page. And I like remembering those moments of the scrapbooking. But I remember how I make things. <laughs> it's, it's, I put it up because I know it helps a lot of people. And it is also sometimes quite nice to watch things being made in fast, you know, like 10... 20 times speed and seeing things go from zero to 100 i get i get it yeah. it's it's quite satisfying but um yeah no you're right yeah very i mean if you're doing it for yourself and then other people are enjoying it that's like win-win absolutely <laughs> exactly. you're doing it for yourself so even if you didn't put it out and it's like what could you have not put out what would you put out that if you didn't put out you would have enjoyed doing it anyway and i think that's a very sustainable thing because you're just recording yourself uh doing what you would have done anyway and like this is like i would have had this conversation with you anyway this is a genuine conversation i'm not we didn't we didn't <laughs> exactly. plan this conversation and i think i gained something and hopefully anyone listening also gained something from mm -hmm. what we just talked about um i think to wrap Fingers this crossed. up i think i sorry 
fingers crossed and that they got something out of fingers. it. Yeah. I hope I didn't no, just no, ramble I think, for I think, 45 minutes about. <laughs> well, I got something out of it. <laughs> I think I think generally. Um, so just to kind of wrap it up, I just want to just talk about one important thing that comes with building a brand and YouTube. And it's this idea mm. of dealing with your mental well-being because I did get a question, another question on Instagram from Banana Hannah XOX, who said, uh, what drives you to work and study when you feel at your lowest? Because people feel low when they just study, but when you feel low both on social media and on in university, there's a huge risk of uh, just things going out of control. So what kind of advice would you give for anyone that's you know dealing with that? I would say often for me that is when I know that I have either worked myself too hard and I'm going through burnout or if again I've been comparing myself to other people too much and it's just made me feel rubbish so with with the latter one what I do is I just take it used to happen a lot more um it doesn't really happen anymore because of the way that I've changed how I've see things and how I view things like I use social media in a completely different way I don't use it to be like oh she's doing this I should do that I would use it in a way oh yeah you know that's really cool for her <laughs> not necessarily for me because we're different people um and also being a bit like sometimes I don't really want to see all of your successes so I'll just go off social media for the day I'll go for a walk I'll do a little bit of stretching or I'll paint or I'll do something that is quality time for me and the problem is that I hate doing it sometimes because I feel so guilty taking the time for myself to sit down maybe write a card write a letter write in my diary like I've kept a diary for the past 16 years of my life and sometimes I'm like you shouldn't be doing this because you need to be doing your uni work or you should but at the same time I know that it's really important for me to keep up with my emotions because otherwise they just control me and then that's that's the problem so my dad is <laughs> the calmest person I've ever met he is so chilled out so I don't know how my mum is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum right and I was like dad how do you how do you stay so calm in such like a, a manic mad house like it's it's you know and he has like every morning he has his bath and he thinks what can I control and what can't I control? And I, he just focuses on the stuff that he can control. And half the time, that's half your worry's gone. Because for me, I know I'm such a worrier. Like I stay up until ridiculous, like 3 a.m. worrying about, oh, I should have said this or I should. And like, sometimes that's okay. Um, I have also have to tell myself that. Sometimes it's okay to reflect on those things because it makes you a better person. Because then you know in the future when that happens again, look, I'll just react differently. But sometimes you have to know when you're actually just dwelling on something for too long. And that's when it gets really dangerous for me. And that's when I need to be like, stop it. Do something mind mindless and mindful, like colouring, you know, when you just kind of zone out. Also music, right? So I feel like this lockdown has been so much harder than any of the previous lockdowns. I decided to buy a Spotify premium membership. I've not had it my entire life because I was like, you know what, don't need it. Like, why am I going to give them my money? I just won't. Also, music affects me so much. I'm scared that if I use music too much, it will lose its efficacy on me. 
but I was yeah. like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes you just need to use it. So like the past week I've been putting on my favorite playlists. I mean, it's a shame because now people are coming out a little bit more. So it's harder to dance in public when you're going for a walk because people are like, what's she doing? But sometimes I just need to like go on a walk, get out my horrible, <laughs> it's not horrible. I love it. I love my room. But sometimes it just feels so stagnant and it makes me feel really demotivated. Like, I get that. Everyone gets that. And sometimes I do feel like my recent vlog, I kind of tried to speak about it because I have felt like at uni, I've just been go, 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 go. And I don't like putting out. It kind of goes back to the vulnerable thing that we literally started with. I feel bad. I don't want to make anyone's day rubbish. I don't want them to see me sad and be like, oh God, she's sad. That makes me sad. Cause I know that's sometimes what I'm like. Like if I see someone sad, I just want to hug them. And then I feel sad that I can't. And yeah. so I don't like putting that out, but I tried to mention in my little Sunday vlog being like, I never vlog on a Sunday, but recently I've been having the worst screen fatigue. I don't want to do any work. I just procrastinate and I it just made me feel rubbish. So I just spent the whole day off my phone and I, I, so I'm trying to put out more content that's a bit more thoughtful of those things because it's normal and I don't, I feel like I don't see it enough, but that's, again, I curate my own feed. So if I yep. want to see more people taking times off social media, ironically, I probably would, even though they wouldn't be posting about it, but I know that they would be doing that, that you know. So taking the time to look after yourself this is this is my quote for the year self-care is productive and I know everyone says it but I didn't really believe it until this year and it is so productive like doing that face mask in the morning for 10 minutes will just make me feel better it'll make me feel clean it'll make me feel like I loved myself which is you know coming from an Asian background why love no you know don't love you and so it's like just look after yourself even when you feel crap even if you don't want to do it you know you will feel better after you've done it and it's really forcing yourself to do that and not my old motto and I kind of semi live by it but it was um I want to be more productive tomorrow than I was today and it's like constantly being more productive and yeah maybe that is still my motto but just remembering that self-care can be added into that productivity I think that's what it is so it's not that I have to do more papers today than I did yesterday it's not that I have to finish my coursework in one day um, and then the next day finish it in half a day but it's making sure that it's like long-term sustainably done sorry I know I rambled <laughs> no you didn't and I think it's absolutely just ending off there it's a uh, I think the whole idea of productivity can be very toxic but if you think about it as also things that you care about like your own self-care and your own health and mm. focusing on that if productivity on the external front takes over your internal needs then you're going to run into a lot of trouble and i think that unfortunately a lot of things on youtube makes it feel like they only they are just doing like obviously i know a lot of friends that obviously make a lot of videos about studying for very long but i think generally <laughs> the this is like because i but but the point is i know how people take care of themselves and yeah. there are a lot of people that are very productive but also very healthy people so everyone that that watches these things on social media need to also remember that they have to work on themselves and you have to know when taking a break is absolutely necessary. And I think that's, mm. that's, yeah. Yeah. That's, taking a break. That's yeah. That was great. 
Yeah, that's a way to end it. Yeah, so now is the time to switch off all of your devices and <laughs> leave it there for the day. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, yeah. Once you watch this podcast, like you don't need to listen to anything else. You're, d- you're done. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Anyway, Apart thank you. Apart from my YouTube thank channel. You. Apart yeah. from both of our... <laughs> This podcast and Ming's YouTube channel. Yeah. Other than that, please don't don't please take care of yourself off social media. <laughs> <Don't>, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but thank you for your time. Um, I think it's no, again, it's it's very useful for me to just understand how you go through things because that's kind of what I feel like doing as well. Just try to build something that I care about, and hopefully yeah. that goes somewhere. It's going somewhere. Yeah. So yeah, self-efficacy. Believe in yourself, and it will happen self-actualization if you imagine it it will happen 70 percent of the time <laughs> damn i was gonna end it right at the at the point you said all right all right see you later thank you see you later bye see you. bye